My name is Ethan Grumberg, and I am a regional vegetable specialist with Cornell Cooperative Extension's Eastern New York Commercial Horticulture Program. Welcome to Extension Out Loud, a podcast from Cornell Cooperative Extension. I am Paul Treadwell. And I'm Katie Bailden. And Ethan, we've talked to you a couple times in the past, so welcome back to Extension Out Loud. Thanks for having me again. So can you remind us and our listeners, what areas do you cover with the Eastern New York Commercial Horticulture Program? We are one of many of the regional agricultural teams of Cornell Cooperative Extension, and our team is one of the largest, both in terms of the geography that we cover. Um, So we cover, I believe it's 17 counties now, from as far south as Putnam County and Orange County, down near the kind of New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York border area, all the way up to the Canadian border in Essex and Clinton counties by uh, Plattsburgh. So on that team, we have five vegetable specialists and agricultural business management specialists, as well as some tree fruit, small fruit, and grape specialists. I mostly work in the southern part of that region. Uh, My office is in Orange County. It is home to the famous Black Dirt region, where we have about 3,500 acres of uh, onions in production still in New York State, as well as a whole bunch of other specialty crops. If I'm listening to this episode and and I'm in Eastern New York, what's the best way for me to get in touch with the team if I'd like to? It's probably through our website, which is enych.cce.cornell.edu. There is contact information for all of the team specialists on that site, as well as some information on upcoming programs, of which under the circumstances there aren't many, uh, but there are also options there in terms of how to subscribe for our newsletter, and to uh, subscribe to the podcast that we're going to talk about a little bit more today. Can you tell us a little bit about what the podcast is? Who is your audience? And a little bit about what start, what motivated you guys to start a podcast would be interesting. We started the podcast, which is called the Eastern New York Vegetable News Podcast. It's very descriptive, not very creative. It works. That We started it a little over a year ago. And the motivation to start it was mostly that We spend a tremendous amount of time both gathering resources for growers to provide them with technical support, whether it be for pest and disease management or variety selection, fertility management, soil health practices, you name it. We we are there to try to help support our commercial uh, vegetable and fruit industry in the region. And oftentimes in all of the work that we do, the outreach component is somewhat of an afterthought. So we've been doing newsletters for, for decades, and we definitely have readership, and there's definitely a lot of value in those traditional hard copy or emailed newsletters, but I think everyone has the experience of having an inbox flooded with really valuable material that we just don't have the time to get to. And especially for growers who are so often stuck in a cab of a tractor or stuck in a greenhouse out in the field, they're often not sitting in front of a computer screen wanting to take 30 to 45 minutes to read through very detailed newsletters. So some of the feedback we got was, hey, we love radio. What can you do for us that will allow us to access this valuable information that you're producing without having to take that 45 minutes out of our day in front of a computer screen? So it was actually after one of the first conversations I had with the two of you that uh, I think we chatted a little bit about some of the technical details of how to put on a podcast 
And we got lucky that one of our field technicians who was with the team at the time had a lot of experience in the music industry and doing audio production. So we used his talents and just dove right in. Ethan, you picked a really timely episode to share with us today. Can you talk a little bit about the episode and and why you chose to share it for this feature? So obviously, everyone has been impacted in some way or another by the COVID-19 pandemic. And our agricultural producers in New York State have been affected in many unique ways. A lot of the vegetable growers in eastern New York work very closely with restaurants to supply them with high-quality local produce year-round. So when a lot of the restaurant industry shut down in mid-March, a lot of these operations who had been overwintering very high-value specialty greens that are winter-hardy and high tunnels, which are some of the most valuable and most expensive square footage on on any uh, farm, were left with this vacuum in terms of they had a lot of very perishable product that they needed to move very quickly and their typical buyers were, were closed. And at the same time, there was a huge surge in demand in terms of just homes that wanted access to healthful and local produce. But oftentimes farms weren't equipped with the infrastructure to connect that demand to what their supply was. So we feel that a lot of requests, and it was a common thread nationwide, over the course of a couple of weeks, I think there were eight or nine different webinars that were put on very quickly about ways that farms could pivot to online sales platforms and reach that direct consumer market that was growing very quickly with the product that they had. So we definitely had that need and interest in Eastern New York as well. And even though most of our episodes really just feature the team's specialists talking about research that we've done or observations we've made in the field to support growers, Having been a grower in the past as well, I know that oftentimes growers want to hear from other growers because it sounds great coming out of a vegetable specialist's mouth, but until someone's actually done it, they don't necessarily believe it. So we were very fortunate to be able to connect with Aaron and Alan, who is one of the co-owners and co-operators of Long Season Farm, a small mixed vegetable operation in Kerhonkson, New York, in Ulster County, who had been very thoughtful about her and the farm's approach to pivoting away from some of those restaurant sales, developing an online presence very quickly, and was able to, as a result, radically increase their sales volume over what even a typical year would look like during a very tough time. This episode is a conversation with Erin about some of the considerations that she weighed when uh, looking into online sales platforms and how they were able to make that transition and some of the unforeseen challenges that came after pivoting to that approach to marketing. As a consumer, I find it interesting to peek behind the curtain because I've definitely started buying more local food recently. And so it's amazing how many farms were able to adjust their operations and meet that demand. So this is a really kind of interesting peek behind the curtain about how all that came to be. And also, we'll, we'll include a link in the show notes to the full uh, COVID-19 playlist that you put together for folks to listen to. Great. Thank you. Yeah, we were able to have some great conversations, not just with Aaron, but uh, our ag workforce specialist, Rich Stupp, about some of the considerations unique to farms managing their employees through this pandemic, as well as our ag business management specialist, Liz Higgins, on some of the, uh, the funding opportunities to help support our New York state farmers uh, during this tough time as well. 
Great. Well, thanks for joining us today, Ethan, and we look forward to hearing from you again in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me and enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Ethan Grumberg, and you're listening to the Eastern New York Veg News Podcast. In response to the global pandemic that we're confronting, we'll be focusing the next few podcasts on specific impacts of COVID-19 on New York State vegetable growers. Today, I'll be talking with Aaron and Owen, owner and operator of Long Season Farm in Kerhonkson, New York, about the farm's use of social media for consumer-directed messaging and a quick pivot to online sales during the pandemic. Thanks for joining me today, Aaron. Thanks for having me, Ethan. So, Aaron, you have the unique distinction of being the first farmer guest on the podcast. And as such, I thought maybe you could start out just by telling us a little bit about Long Season Farm. Yes. Well, I'm very honored. Um, uh, Long Season Farm is owned and operated by myself and my husband, Sam Zorofsky. Um, We've been in business since 2014. Um, We currently do four acres of vegetable production and we manage 12 uh, that we, um, the remaining eight we are uh, doing in cover crop and we sell year round. Um, We grow every single vegetable that we can, a big, a large amount of storage crops and um, uh, cold hardy greens for the winter. Uh, We utilize for high tunnels in the winter. And then the the summer we sell at farmer's market. So we just do a full spread of, um, of vegetables there. Um, and interestingly enough, we do not grow in our high tunnels in the summer. They are reserved for winter production. Yeah. And, and so the reason we're chatting today is that you've been really quick to respond to some of the concerns that have been popping up um, related to COVID-19 that a lot of farms in the region are facing, um, whether it's market closures or just kind of how to direct messaging to customers about um, having health and he- healthy and safe produce for sale. Um, and so I've actually heard from other growers who follow you on, on Instagram that you're doing a great job with it. Um, so I, I was wondering if you could talk a bit about how you've been using your social media accounts to connect with customers and, and shape messaging during this time. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I think for us, it was sort of vital that we utilize all of our communication channels because we do grow year round and we're very active and busy uh, every month of the year, including now. So I think a lot of growers aren't um, harvesting, washing, packing, and selling produce at this time. Um, whereas we have an 85 member winter CSA and two winter farmers markets. So when the first, the first weekend that it seemed like we might have to cancel our markets, we were primarily concerned with what should we do with our winter CSA because those customers had already paid us. So we, we just felt like we had to make some decisions really quickly at that time. That was about three weeks ago, um, or two weeks ago, actually. Uh, and we decided to hold our CSA distribution, but cancel our markets, like not try to do any replacement sales. Both our markets were canceled. We decided not to do any, anything instead. So we, 
we were just trying to get the word out. Um, and then, you know, the other, the other way that we were using social media is just to let, to check in with, uh, people, both farmers and our customers and our community members to let them know how we were doing, what we were doing. So I did, I've done a few, uh, just short little videos, um, thinking that that would, people probably had time to watch them and might want to see what was going on for us. Um, one of the interesting things about what's happened is we, we've been so much more connected with other people, people checking in, sending messages, emailing us, and it's, you know, it can be challenging to keep up with that. So that was one of my thoughts is like, I could reach a lot of people by trying to answer those questions and concerns, um, through videos and through, uh, Instagram posts. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that one of the demographics that you were kind of trying to reach in, in some of your posts was a, a fellow farmer audience. And in one of your posts, you know, you kind of announced the, uh, the establishment of your online ordering system and e-commerce site. And, you know, you were very gracious and, and generous and providing some of the details, which I know a lot of growers right now are struggling to try to figure out how to pivot away from maybe farmers markets where they're either seeing closures um, of markets, you know, just because those specific market managers are making that decision to close down or not seeing the kind of foot traffic or just different regulations in place to mandate pre-ordering and pre-packing of, of shares. Um, so since a lot of growers are kind of struggling with that issue of, of how to sift through the options of online ordering systems and e-commerce sites, I was wondering if you could um, you know, talk a little bit about the decision-making process that you went through and, and sort of which services you considered along the way. And just quickly before you answer, I, I want to be sure to note that in the process of this conversation, we're not endorsing any specific product or service, but just kind of fostering an educational conversation about marketing options available to growers. So take it away. Yeah, totally. So it, it, funnily enough, there was like zero decision making that went into the process because what happened was we have a very bare bones website and the only transaction prior to this situation that anyone could make on our website was to purchase a CSA share. And I think a, a lot of farmers have that. Um, it's a pretty simple, um, it's a pretty simple thing to add is like the purchase of a CSA share. So what we have is a WordPress site and we had, um, a form on our website embedded to our website for CSA shares. Then there was this added, um, credit card processing, um, plugin into that form. And at first I thought, you know, I'm, I know how to do this. I'm just going to copy this form set up with the payment plugin. And I'm going to list all of our products in a form, which um, is, I think, pretty simple um, to do. I thought it would be really fast. So that's what I did. I, and I got that up just like very quickly. Um Little did I know that that plugin for the payment was no longer supported by the credit card processing company that we use. So 
we got like 10 orders in and I just, you know, I like to double check things. So I went to see how, if the payments were coming through and they were not. So I did some Googling and I was realized that like this whole thing I'd set up was just not working at all. And like within 20 minutes, I had to find something else to do because I didn't want to create this like huge confusion. So I just was like, okay, I have a WordPress site. What can I do? I Googled e-commerce, WordPress, and I came up with um, an open source uh, plugin called WooCommerce. And I just, I didn't even think about it. I just downloaded it. And then I just um, got all of our products up so that they actually are like, you know, a, a virtual marketplace, not just a form on a website. Now, I was able to do that because I have some experience, well, a little more than some, but I've worked in e-commerce in previous jobs. So I was able to kind of know, make that decision really quickly that I could plug myself into that system and make it work. Um, and so I didn't, I wasn't weighing options really. I just was like, ah, I have to make this work so that anyone who presses on that link that I put out into the world is still going to be able to, to, to order our vegetables without creating this huge hassle. So, so that was what I ended up doing. Um, you know, when, in that like five minute period where I was making the decision, um, I knew that I could, there were some options like setting up a different payment processor through PayPal that could plug in to a form or a Google form that could be embedded to a website or using Square, which is the credit card processor a lot of farms use to build a virtual web store which is built in to the services that Square offers. Those were two like really simple things that I also considered quickly. And I think that they are totally usable in this situation too. Um, I, I wanted to go with something a little bit more robust because I felt like I was actually a little bit more comfortable in that system than I was trying to manage the, um, opening up a new credit card processor account and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I wasn't really making decisions, but, um, but it's working out. However, there's like a lot of kinks to adapting a business that typically operates as a farmer's market or a CSA to like an, an online store, basically. Do, do you want to expand on that a little bit and maybe talk about what some of those early hiccups and challenges have, have been and, and how you're envisioning working around them? Yeah, sure. So, um, first of all, you know, we typically are projecting what we're going to sell at the harvest or, or sell at the farmer's market, um, harvest and pack that split it up and, you know, bring a big bin of stuff to the farmer's market and put it out and let people buy it. And, um, when you list things for sale that people are going to pre-order, that's a pretty difficult way to operate. Um, so straight away, it's much, much easier if you uh, create units. So we, you know, create what we thought was like what most people 
view as a serving size unit, like a bag of salad mix, a bag of spinach, a pound of carrots, and list list all those as a product. And people can buy as many of those as they want. And then because we want to do touchless pickup, we want to pre pre bag everything. Um, so it's just the process of getting, you know, printing out the packing slip, making sure that you got everyone's order packed and checked off, making sure all those things go to the right place. Um, you know, it seems really simple, but when you're dealing with say like a hundred orders, it can be challenging. And so it's really important to set up systems and to know like whatever platform you're using, how you're going to deal with that new kind of what we call like backend work. So how am I going to export my orders? Will the person's name be on the export? How will I know where everything's going? So for example, we have three different locations that we're distributing um, pre-orders too. Um, and just, you know, we come up with systems where like we get a lot of email adjustments. So we go through our emails and pull out the orders and make notes directly on the order. It's clunky and takes a lot of time. So I'm hoping we can find a way of doing some adjustments on packing slips, um, from our website. Um, so it just, there's just a lot more um, computer work and a lot more paperwork to adjust to. So I think people should really, um, plan to have more time, um, between when they normally would be doing their like wash and pack and their market. So we, we factored in an extra day and a half this week, um, so that we needed all the orders in and have our harvest done an extra day and a half sooner than we normally do so that we had time to bag everything and then make an assembly line basically to pack all the orders. Okay, I think that's a good time to take a quick break, but we'll be right back to continue the conversation with Aaron and Owen of Long Season Farm in Kerhonkson, New York. The Eastern New York Commercial Horticulture Program is one of the premier regional agricultural programs of Cornell Cooperative Extension, serving a large multi-county area in the Champlain Valley Capital Region and Hudson Valley. The team specialists work together with Cornell faculty and county-based extension educators to address the issues that impact the vegetable, tree fruit, small fruit, and grape industries. More information on upcoming programs and enrollment options to receive our digital newsletters is all available online at enych.cce.cornell.edu. Okay, we're back with Aaron and Allen of Long Season Farm. Um, so you were talking about some of the challenges of, of having systems in place kind of on the back end and... You know, when I used to uh, run a farm, we would often have orders from 20 to 25 wholesale customers, mostly restaurants. And we just had a really messy, inefficient system of taking email orders or text orders and plugging that all into a giant, unwieldy spreadsheet and then trying desperately to make sure that we got everything packed accurately. Are you using any software or do you have systems that you're feeling are evolving that that you're happier with to manage kind of those back end logistics? 
Yeah. So interestingly enough, like we had been doing things the same exact way, um, putting everything into like a, by hand into a spreadsheet to try and keep everything organized. And it's, I've been really, really unhappy with that system for a, a long time. So this has kind of like pushed us to, um, really much more organized, um, way of thinking. And I actually, I mean, I have to say I've always, always, always loved working on websites. So when I was doing it, another job, I really enjoyed like the way you could, um, export your, um, the products that you'd sold in a certain amount of time and, and look at them. And so, you know, we have a order window. So people had two days to order and then I have an order cut off. Um, then I turn the store off so no one can place any new orders. Well, then I can just export my product sales report for that time. And I have an instant spreadsheet that tells me exactly what I need. So then we use that to pack all the units. Um, and I add a, you know, I add a column into that sp spreadsheet that says what the unit is. So if, for example, for this week, we had a half pound bag of spinach. Um, we got, uh, let's say like a hundred orders for spinach. I multiply that by 0.5 and that means in order to fulfill my orders, I need, um, 50 pounds of spinach. So it just, it's like really clear and easy and in all in one place. So what I did was I just merged our, like our CSA needs into that same spreadsheet. And it just showed me like everything all in one spot. So it's a slightly different system than what we were doing before, but because everything has to be perfect, it kind of forces you into this level of detail that we weren't doing before. Well, I, I was just going to say, I know that one of the other added challenges that you've taken on as well is, and you mentioned this already, you have multiple pickup sites. You're also doing drop-offs or considering the prospect, I think, as well, possibly of doing some home deliveries. Are you also using any software or, or strategies to try to make sure that you're spacing out uh, the time that customers are coming to pick up their product to try to keep crowd sizes down and enforcing social distances, distancing parameters. What kind of, what's your approach been to that? So it's evolved over the past two weeks. I, right now we're, we're much um, more serious about pre-packing. So everything's pre-bagged and then pre-packed into uh, handled paper bags. And we staple every customer's uh, packing slip to that. Um, and then what we're doing with those is at each of the pickup sites, um, there's like a table that there's people are supposed to keep their distance from. And I, the person comes up, I kind of say very loudly, what's your name? And they'll tell me back and I'll pull their order from a, a cart, uh, that we can fit uh, a lot of orders on, um, put it on the table and stand back and then they can pick it up. Um, so that's the protocol that we've, uh, landed on for the pickups and we ask everyone to be mindful, you know, stay six to 10 feet apart from other customers. Um, 
In terms of the managing the density, that is definitely something that we would like to do moving forward. And the way we're going to do that is just by utilizing a more robust um, system. So in our case, uh, what we're using is WooCommerce. It's an open source e-commerce um, add-on for WordPress sites. So that's not something anyone should consider unless they run a WordPress site. Um, and there's all these, it's free, but you can pay for all these additional features. So that's pretty common across platforms, whether you're using Shopify or um, Squarespace. Um, the more functionality you want, oftentimes you you need to search in the add-ons and and pay for something. So I I thought you know with these pickup sites, I want to be able to schedule it. So I just sort of I googled that or I searched for that feature on the WooCommerce site, and they have actually a whole developed pickup um, specifically made for 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 places that are scheduling pickups and it has like a built-in scheduler. So people would then be selecting times. There's lots of options for, for that, for people to look into um, just to help, you know, it would, it's kind of like a hairstylist scheduler, I think, where you can select a time and there's like a limit on how many people can select that time. And once it reaches it, that option's no longer available. So you don't have to manage it yourself, um, which is, it's really hard to do when you're dealing with more than 25 people is to try and manage that just on your own. Um, the more automated that kind of stuff can be, the better because it's just less time spent interacting with customers. Um, and so that's, we're definitely going to do that we're looking at doing home delivery because right now it just feels like the safest option. Um, we've talked to other people that have done, you know, 20 to 30 deliveries, but we, this weekend, we're looking at um, over 150 individual um, transactions. And we mapped that out using a route optimization app. And it was going to be like a couple days worth to do the deliveries. And we just thought, let's take a little bit more time trying to figure this out. Um, and for that, what we're considering is just cre creating some zones that we, if you live in that zone, we can definitely deliver. Um, and that again, can just be automated through our website at the checkout point. Would you be willing to share the name of that root optimization tool that you referenced? Oh, um, I don't remember what it was. I We literally just Googled root optimization <laughs> and selected the first one that came up and it had a free trial. Um, and I think it, I can, I might be able to send that. I don't know if you ever, uh, if you can post resources, but I could send that to you so that you could yeah, share Yeah, we'll that. be sure to. We'll be sure to post a link to that in the episode description. Um, and so it, it sounds like, you know, you've you've really taken on a tremendous number of changes all at once and are trying to leverage technology to make those transitions easier on you as a farm. I'm wondering, have you heard from customers? Uh, 
how they've felt about it so far, how they've been reacting. And I mean, I guess if you're willing just to discuss even in, in general terms, what sort of impact um, this has had on on your sales this time of year? Um, yeah. So customers in general are, um, they're so grateful that we're um, adapting. I've had a lot of people reach out to say um, that they were grateful that we were uh, changing things so quickly, right when it was just starting to feel like something big might be happening. Um, and I think that made them feel safe and like, like we were being responsible. So we take that really seriously and we really want to be responsible and, and put people in a safe position when they're picking up or getting our produce delivered. Um, but it, that's definitely been the overwhelming feedback. And also what's so interesting about switching over to an online sales platform is I hadn't thought about it this way before, but in many ways for many people, I don't want to say all people, but for many people, it makes our farm more accessible than it was when we were at the farmer's market. Um, because though at the farmer's market, you can pay with EBT, you could pay with cash. Um, and those things are really valuable. Uh, you also have to come to the farmer's market at a certain time. And if you want to get the full selection of produce, you have to get there early. Whereas what we found with our online web store is like people who are late staying up at night, say like 11 o'clock, they actually get the best selection um, because I'm typically really working on stuff late at night and getting it posted pretty late. Um, and so that was, that's, what's been really interesting. The other way it makes us more accessible is people are, are just like finding us. Um, we've had lots of first time customers, which is like, this is such a strange time of year to have first time customers, but again, like neighbors who we don't have a farm store, they've never bought anything from us. They were able to, they saw our post on social media placed an order, walked across the street, got their vegetables. And that was just like incredible to me that, that that kind of people from our neighborhood were buying produce and we'd never met them before. Um, and so that's definitely been like a really eye-opening experience. Um, I think you asked a second part of that question too. Well, I guess if you'd be willing to talk even in, in general terms about if it's negative, I think a lot of farms right now are seeing a negative impact to their their sales and cash flow at a time of year that's really critical to make sure that there's some money coming in to cover early season costs. Has this transition allowed you to kind of stay the course that you would have projected or, or kind of what, what's happening with your sales as a result? Yeah, I, I'd say so we had a few markets that were canceled. So that definitely impacted us. It's for us, this is actually like our lowest sales point of the year, even though we go year round, we don't typically offer a regular season CSA. We just offer a winter CSA. So we usually get a flurry of signups right at the end of CSA season. So that would be right now. But then after that, it's just our early spring market sales that are sustaining us. 
and they're usually on the lower end. Um, what we're seeing now is, uh, you know, we're limited by the availability of produce that we have, but it's, it's selling out in just like a few hours of being posted online. So that shows me that people are just like really eager to get, um, fresh local produce. We're also nervous about the impact of, on our market sales. And of course, like our heart goes out to all of our wholesale accounts. Um, right now, restaurants and cafes that are taking a huge hit. And, you know, we understand that that's probably going to impact our overall sales um, for the year as well. So we decided to offer a spring CSA this year, just because we knew there was so much uncertainty. And that's just a a 10 week um, weekly CSA pickup locally. And we charged a pretty low amount for it. We were thinking $20 a week. Um, and we've sold over half of those that we offered. It just, in just one day, people are just, just want that security that they're going to have, um, some fresh produce, um, this spring. So it, it's, it's like this interesting, you know, mix between, a lot of fear, um, and also trying to respond to a huge demand for what we do. Um, so it's, it's kind of both incredible, but it's also a really surreal position to be in right now because a lot of people are not able to work and they're not able to, um, have customers right now. Um, so yeah, but we're, I think we're definitely right now seeing people feel like they trust us. They really want fresh produce. They really want to, to know that they can have it over the next few weeks. And they're willing to, um, commit to that with us and sort of weather this period, um, together with us. Yeah, that that's awesome. Um, and I guess to end on, on a final note, do you have any last thoughts on, on what advice you would give to farms that maybe have never had any online presence and are now kind of desperately trying to figure out how to, to pivot and, and move to online sales? Any other thoughts or, or recommendations for, for how they think through this? Yeah. You know, I, this is a great time, especially for those farms to appeal to their customers for some help because one thing that's really um, true about our world today is like a lot of people have the skills to help out in this situation and it can be done remotely. Um, so I think that's like for, for those that really are so intimidated by it, I'm sure they could get a phone call just by putting the word out that they need a little help. Um, so that would be one piece of advice I have. And another that I have is to, um, take it slow. You know, we tried to break it up into pieces. Like first, let's figure out how we want to do the distribution. Second, let's figure out if we can have two pickup locations in one weekend. And then third, which is where we're at right now, we're having a CSA distribution and two farmers market pickup locations. And that proved to be incredibly logistically challenging. And we found 
I think all of the bugs in our current system that we need to fix moving forward. So it's a learning process and there's a lot of adjustments that'll need to be made. The typically the first thing you put up there isn't going to be the final version of what is going to be the most functional. Um, but take those stressors as a learning opportunity and an, an opportunity to improve the system a little more. All right. Well, this has been a conversation with Aaron and Alan from Long Season Farm in Kerhunkson, New York. Aaron, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Ethan. I hope that um, that I was able to share some helpful information for people. Thanks for listening to the Eastern New York Veg News Podcast. If you have specific questions that you'd like us to address related to the impact of COVID-19 on vegetable farms in upcoming episodes, please email me at eg572 at cornell.edu or leave us a voicemail at 845-293-3832. For more information on the Eastern New York Commercial Horticulture Program, visit our website at enych.cce.cornell.edu. Also be sure to check out the links included in the episode description, including a lot of resources on other online sales platforms available to farms. Thanks to Sarah Tobin, who is in charge of editing this episode.